Here it is. Again. One, two, three, four! I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Debbie Harry! That's right. You sing with that rock group. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob. Welcome to the April 1980 Part 2 episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave 1976 to 1986. A lot of good music, a lot of great albums. I don't know what to say other than that. I mean, it, this this whole playlist has brought us a lot of joy and and has really I don't know it's got us it's got us kicking man this is good stuff yeah yeah if if anything it just gets a little bit better a little bit better yeah I'm very excited about about it uh, before we get to it gotta remind everybody that we are talking about music music is art and there is nothing more subjective than art this is an opinion show but even so we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated. Because ultimately, we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. Before we jump into it, Rob, I just want to say, March 1980, it wasn't that awful. Uh, <laughs> just want to acknowledge, we were, <laughs> we were having fun with it. We were playing it up, um, kind of leaning into it. It was... It, there's no doubt in my mind it is going to be the worst month of 1980. But, you know, we were we were just being dicks, right, Rob? <laughs> we totally, totally were, weren't we? <laughs> Our 100th episode is coming up next month. Yeah. Are you getting excited, Rob? I am. We haven't nailed down all the details, but have you started thinking about your, your greatest discoveries? Yeah, I have. And there's there's one or two that are just nagging at me, you know, to the point where if we don't move on to talk about something else, I'm going to spill it. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I've had some really big discoveries. Hey, so this is kind of cool. We are at the tail end of our fifth straight week of releasing episodes so this is yeah um, not a record for us we we actually did it at the uh tail end of last season uh when we were doing the best of where we just did it week after week but still this is this is pretty fun we we had kind of yeah. a, a sparse December and January and man it is just back to back to back to back to back a quick note, and I'm gonna I'll go to into more detail at the end of this episode. We are switching to a new schedule where our on a typical month we will release episodes the first, the second, and the fourth a Sunday of the month. So heads up on that. We'll talk more about that at the end. All right, Rob, unless you got any urgent topic you need to cover i think we should just jump back in let's get in there yeah moving on to the debut album from the monochrome set this is an album called strange boutique i want to just play my pick off of this album before i say anything my favorite song off of this album is a song called martians go home 
Sarah, Sarah, sing green satin, Swiss liqueurs and cherry brandy. Misty, mystic, Swiss Baladin, Mark me, James, send me, Sandy. But your Gemini is weary, your Aquarius not cheery, and my fascinating theory is well. Before picture girls in denim, Advocate and avocado, call me. At the top of the show, I said that there are two albums that I absolutely flip for. This is one of them. I love this album so much. The energy, this was the perfect antidote to March. I mean, this is everything that I love about quirky post-punk. It's both mellow and energetic at the same time. I, I'm not sure how yeah. how they do it. <laughs> I love this album. I have lots to say about it, but first I wanna I wanna hear where you're at. Monochrome set. A band you were familiar with at all? Yeah, I wasn't uh, uh, familiar with them at all. But uh after I after I listened to this album, I kind of went around and poking you know poking around to hear some more stuff by them and and everything I saw, whether it was music videos or, or interviews or, uh, and honestly, there wasn't a whole lot. Like I didn't find a whole lot on them, but I, I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it. I feel like they're, I feel like they're jaunty and fun, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know, normally that's not my kind of thing, but, but yeah, I dig it a lot. If I had to describe it, I, I would describe it as a cross between this album, at least a cross between the Smiths, Luna, and The Chills. Are you familiar with Luna and The Chills? They're like late 80s, early 90s, sort of alternative college rock. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a bit of them. Every song off of this album, I really, really like. So Monochrome said they are a London band. They evolved from a band called The B-Sides, which is kind of most famous for uh, one of its band members being an early Adamant before he was Adamant. Johnny Marr stated that without them, the Smiths wouldn't have existed. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. The energy on, on this album is so refreshing. It is low-key and goofy and adventuresome. If somebody wants to compare this album to the Feelies album, I wouldn't totally object. Except what I really like about this album is the energy is is different, and the song right the the song structure is more complex and a little bit more interesting. This is a love fest. I, I just feel kind of warm and fuzzy and pleased <laughs> and entertained and relaxed all at the same time when, when I listen to this nice. album. That's cool to hear. Before we introduce your pick, I just, as, as, yes. as a service to our audience, for those of you out there <laughs> who are playing Rob's 1950s movie monster bingo. I know that you've already <laughs> checked off Dracula, 
vampires and werewolves. Well, now you can also check off the creature from the Black Lagoon. (laughs) What do we have left here as far as monster movies referenced in songs that you've picked? Uh, We're looking for a mummy song and... A song about the fly? Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. There is a cramp song coming down the road at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as we don't touch uh, Blue Easter Cult, you don't have to worry about Godzilla. So obviously I picked the song Love Goes Down the Drain. And I thought, you know, I'm listening to this tune and I'm like, I, I really like this. And as soon as I hear mention of the creature from the Black Lagoon, I buried my face in my hands and started laughing. I knew that Joseph was going to go, oh, of course, this is a Rob song. <laughs> oh, Rob. But yeah, yeah, let's give it a listen. <laughs> the creature from the Black Lagoon. Sits inside her one-way room Down, down, down He says Mira, Mira, tell me truly Down, down, down Is my head and cat unruly Down, down, down Oh, down and down and down I go When love goes down the drain Oh, down and down and down I go When love goes down the drain The monster from way as I said, kind of love every song off of this album. This this is them, at least on this album, them at their quirkiest, which my sweet spot is a little bit pulled back like one notch as far as the quirk goes. Um, but still, how can you not love the song? <laughs> goofy, yeah. goofy fun. Yeah. Again, it's it's jaunty and it's fun, and uh, it the whole album, like you said, is just kind of a feel good, kind of an uplifting album, uh, and it's the energy and it's the attitude that goes behind it. So, at any rate, that I I enjoyed the whole album thoroughly. So that is the Monochrome Sets debut album, Strange Boutique. I am f- now. Moving forward, I am always going to get excited when I see a monochrome set album on the horizon. I think it's fantastic. I am very happy to hear that that you loved it so much. It's just your joy in this album makes me feel good. (laughs) Probably not going to hit my top 10 list or I'll just come out and say, no, there's so much Mm. going on and Mm -hmm. so so many great albums coming. So it won't be on mine, but I am going to go back and listen to it again. Um, You know, I I only listened to this album twice. So I, I feel like I feel like I need to pay some more attention to it. Uh, coming up, uh, let's go ahead and talk about another album by Sham69. This is The Game. It's their fourth album. And uh, unfortunately, the Suri Oi band is uh, not long for this podcast. This is the last album we're going to hear from them. Uh, they broke up right after this. Jimmy Percy went on to found a, uh, a band called The Sham Pistols, which consisted of uh, members Steve Jones and 
Paul Cook from uh, from the Sex Pistols. And then after that, he went solo and 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 resurrected Sham sixty nine again in nineteen eighty eight. To me, the very best part of this album is the music itself. Mm-hmm. The lyrics aren't super. The song, the songs here as a whole are okay. But what I like about the music is the energy behind it. I don't know, that spark that gets behind the sound of the music. It, I, I'd be fine without any of the lyrics, to be, to be honest. <laughs> um, I do like this album, and, and I do think it's a, a fine album, but, but I really think that the attention went into the music. So before we, uh, we hear how, how Joseph feels, let's go ahead and play a song. My pick off of this album is a tune called In and Out. I like this album a lot more than their last album, Hershen Boys. Yeah, yeah. However, I hated Hershen Boys. So the bar was set <laughs> extremely low. And this is the third of the three albums released in April that I have a hard time keeping track of every time i hear one of the songs off of this album i i have to go wait which which one of those bands is it um and Mm -hmm. right (laughs) the music is the of the four sham 69 albums i mean one thing i will say about sham 69 is that each one of their albums has its own distinct personality and style. And this is the album that that feels the most like Rolling Stones-esque, which oh, okay. I like the Rolling Stones, but I don't particularly like my punk and post-punk to sound like the Rolling Stones. Um I guess I've never been a big fan of Sham sixty nine, but but this is this is okay. Yeah, you know that's that's interesting. So that you know when the band the band disbanded right after this, and Jimmy Percy himself hated this album. Mm. I mean, we like it a whole lot more than he did. Mm. <laughs> In fact, he he called it a pile of shit, which mm. I have a hard time I have a hard time getting on board with. What did you pick, Joseph? What's your song for this? I picked the song Give a Dog a Bone. It's it's kind of, I think, my go-to with this type of punk, this sort of um, oi-esque type of, of music is, I just, I instantly go towards the anthems. So this is kind uh-huh. of one of the anthem-y-est 
songs on the album. It's it's pretty fun. Sham 69's album, The Game. Sounds like neither Joseph nor myself are going to put it on our top 10 list. And again, this is the last album of theirs that we're going to cover on this podcast because they don't get back together again until 1988. So there we have it. I think of all of the albums that we've talked about so far for 1980, as far as first wave punk bands that kind of are, their strategy is to kind of stay the course. I think that the Undertone's second album, Hypnotized, this is the one that does it the most gracefully. I really kind of like this album. Uh, If, you know, if there was any doubt from the first album, if... The undertones were looking more towards early Clash or Buzzcocks as far as their approach, narrative approach. This album clearly indicates that they're thinking more like the Buzzcocks. So many of these songs have either the word boy or the word girl in the title. Uh, and <laughs> and just just kind of like the very first song on this album, it's kind of a manifesto for where these guys are at, uh, is actually my pick off of the album, a song called More Songs About Chocolate and Girls. voice I'm ambivalent about I kind of like really like it and kind of dislike it at the exact same time (laughs) it is totally unique I mean I I don't think you're ever going to listen to an undertone song and go wait a minute is this the undertones or is it some other band (laughs) just a a (laughs) one-of-a-kind voice it's slowly growing on me I think it uh it really depends on the song. There are some songs that it is it's like it's like perfect for. Teenage Kicks obviously is sort of like the optimal use of his voice. But here, 
I, I think it's working pretty well. This, of course, is the second album from this Irish band. Um, fairly successful, at least in the UK, where it hit number six. Uh, the single My Perfect Cousin hit number nine on the UK charts. I I, I give this a, a mildly enthusiastic thumbs up. Where, where are nice. you at with it, Rob? <laughs> I'm, Again, I'm kind of in the same place. I think I told you before, well, and I've said it several times here on this episode, that there's not a single album on this playlist that I dislike. Um, and the under- undertones are certainly there. You know, with the song that we just heard, uh, there's that interesting, and you brought it up, the voice. There's that interesting trill in his voice. I mm-hmm. think that's how to describe it. Um, and And... It's, I mean, it's hard for me to describe because, as you pointed out, it's very unique. I love that. I, I thought it was a fantastic, uh, you know, it's just this fantastic flair to, to the vocals, to the song. Um, and, and yeah, I also am on board with this album. I like it a lot. Um, in fact, I'm, you know, I listened to it three or four times already, and I'm probably going to listen to it another three or four before, uh, mm-hmm you know, before our next episode. So I would describe it as a very likable, uh, but a little bit disposable. That feels like that's by design. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's all very light um, and fun. I picked a song that I thought was also very fun. Uh, this is a tune called What's With Terry. I don't know how many times I've listened to the song, and I've listened to very, very closely to the lyrics. I'm not quite sure what yeah. this song is about. I mean, like at yeah. first blush, <laughs> it feels like a, um, making plans for Nigel or right, um, right. No Thugs in Our House kind of a song, both XTC songs. But yep. if I listen closely, I feel like there there it's a little bit more um, serious than that. I, it feels like there is some yeah. like sexual and gender question issues going on but i can't i can't quite suss it out where what's what's your sense about what this song is about that is a good question i mean really i i like the mood of the song i liked just kind of how it sounds i enjoyed it i thought it was it was kind of bouncy and my first thoughts like you said at, at the very first slightest thought you you think you know the the ecstasy songs but yeah the Ultimately, this song has left me a question of what is with Terry? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, I come out of it still going, wait, wait, what is with Terry anyway? Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed the song. I don't know why. It's just, it's, it's one that hit me and I, you know, I don't know. It kind of, it gives me a chuckle from time to time and then it makes me scratch my head. Yeah. I, so. I mean, <laughs> I, I wonder if this album is, is a little bit more 
I don't think subversive is quite the right word, but a, a little bit more substantial than than it wants you to think. I mean, the the yeah, first song yeah. of the album, more songs about chocolate and girls, is a sort of their manifesto for the album. But listening to, closer to these lyrics, I feel like there's probably more going on than mm-hmm. um, you know you would think at first blush. It's it's find it kind of intriguing yeah as as joyous and jovial and and jaunty as it sounds you're right it's a very serious song when you listen to the lyrics and uh and you're right it's it's very intriguing you know very interesting so that is the undertones second album hypnotized Uh, Not a serious consideration for my personal end of the year top 10 list, but um, a lot of fun. You know, a good solid B plus for me. I will agree with that. Here, here. Uh, Also, not uh, going to be on my list. So, but again, lots of fun. Moving on to our next album, we have Grupo Sportivo with Copy Copy. This was on Ariel Records. It's a Dutch band that we've heard from before. Uh, this 1980 release features Bet Bright from the Liverpool, uh, the Liverpool-based band, new wave band, uh, Deaf School. Mm. Before we get into it, though, let's let's listen to a little bit of the music. This is my pick off the album. It's too late. <laughs> Bet's vocals here and the song I, I was actually hooked from the point where she says that she throws up on the floor of Studio 54 uh, I just wish that she had more time for Freddie um, <laughs> but so it's obvious to me that they were going for a, a satirical jab at the world around him with this album they were certainly pointing out changes in things like airport security and the westernization of Japan and the whole music industry. Um, but they do it in a way where they're, they're taking some, some serious, serious thoughts and they're making it again, very jaunty, very humorous. And it makes me feel like they're clowns in a circus putting on some kind of show here. Uh, but underneath all of it, all the shenanigans that they're doing is a message that, that they hope seeps into our subconscious and, and has us thinking. And I don't know that that might be a little deep, but, <laughs> but that is the serious vibe I got off of this album. Your thoughts. <laughs> so this is their third LP. We of course talked about their first two. Um, 
this band will always have a special place in my heart because of one of my very favorite discoveries doing this podcast, wow. which is uh, Disco Really Made It. Not on this album, mm-hmm. was on off of their their mm-hmm. previous album. And that previous album had two songs that I really, really liked. And I think I like better than any of the songs off of this album. So I'm, huh. re- I'm realistic enough to know that um, Greppo Sportivo is never going to do another disco really made it. Uh, the, you know, I don't, I don't have that expectation. Um, gotcha. But I always look forward to d- listening to a new album of theirs for sure. Um, nice. And Sleeping Bag was the other song off of their previous album that I really, really liked. Uh, as I mentioned, I like both those songs more than everything else. Um, anything on on this album. However, their second album in general was way too uneven for me and I really didn't care for that much. I like this album a lot better. It is a lot more consistent. This is an insanely likable album. Um, I, I think it's a lot of fun and... I really do like this this album a lot. Unfortunately, my favorite song off of this album, which I do like considerably more than any of the other songs, um, we are not going to listen to tonight because of you, Rob. It's all your fault, Rob. Uh-oh. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> so, so this what did I do? This is one of the albums where you picked probably my least favorite song, um, mm-hmm. which we just heard. I, I find it kind of annoying. It's, it's kind of interesting, but pretty annoying. Now, one of the most distinct characteristics of this album is is the male-female dynamics, and it's kind of split down the middle. About half of the songs are female-led, half of the songs are male-led. My favorite song off this album is Police Dog. I love that song. Um, Female-led song, and I just feel like we had to feature a song that was was male-led. Not that big of a deal because there are quite a few male-led songs off this album that I really like. And believe me, I will find a way by the end of this season to sneak Police Dog in at some point. So I'm not worried about that. (laughs) So yeah, so let's go ahead and listen to my pick representing the male-led part of this album. It's a song called Up to Date. Let's 
I very much like the quirky electronic energy here, but I feel like the music was valued more than the vocals. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, overall, I like the album itself, but it, in this song, I just feel like it, the, the vocals are a little understated and under, uh, I don't know, not much attention, not as much attention was put on the vocals as say the, as say the music. He's got a really interesting voice, which, um, is perfect for a song like Disco Really Made It, but works much better in some instances than other instances. It, it, he's not a particularly versatile vocalist, I mm -hmm. don't think. So definitely limitations there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, the song I chose, I chose it, like I said, I like Bette's vocals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, she's not, on, she's not on the entire album, and I kind of wanted to... Mm. I kind of wanted to slip her in there, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Well, it's interesting. If you go to Spotify, at least here in the United States, and you look this band up, uh, the top five songs streamed are from their first two albums, which uh -huh. is puzzling to me. I mean, as far as I could tell on this album, not a kazoo to be found, which is usually a good thing. So, so yeah, their first yeah. two albums were way quirky. I mean, this is a pretty quirky album, but yes, it is. Their first two albums were like there were some zany songs. I don't know that I would use zany for any of these <laughs> these songs, no, which which, not. which I I value. I, I think this is a a much better album than. Um, either of their two uh, original releases, I, I like I like this album a yeah. lot. I like it a lot too. Well, that's Greppo Sportivo's album "Copy Copy." Not gonna hit my list. I did enjoy it. Sounds like I didn't enjoy it as much as you, though. Yeah, but not a not a contender. Not even close. It is. Um, it's a it's a fun little trifle. Uh, there were quite a few songs off of this album that I threw onto my my permanent '70s and '80s playlist. So um, I'm happy with that. Fantastic. Let's move on to the debut album by Subway Sect. Actually, this album was released as Vic Goddard and Subway Sect. This is an album called What's the Matter, Boy? This band was formed in 1976. Uh, it's actually their second album, but the first album that was released. So originally they pretty much recorded their first album, didn't release it. The manager Sat, pretty much sacked the entire band except for Vic Godard. Apparently, managers can do that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then that album was redone, re-recorded in 2007 and released as 1978 now. So that might, at some point, I might, go and and hunt that 
down. Yeah. This is a very peculiar album. Let's listen to a track before we get into what this album is all about. So my pick off of this is a song called Watching the Devil. And it turns and crooks, get some funny looks, so go back and stop pressing the pedal. I like this album. I like the songwriting. I like the attitude of it. Uh, I don't love it. I There's a, a tremendous amount of ambivalence that I feel about this album. And it's all due to one element. And it's right there in the name. Vic Goddard and the Subway Sect. And that is Vic Goddard's voice. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so the songs that I yeah. like, yeah. I like despite his voice, or the, rather, rather I like the songs where he's in that suit his voice the most, and that play to to his strengths. Which I don't think. I mean, he is. Mm-hmm. He is not a vocalist that sounds like he's in control of his voice at all. I I don't right. know if he's capable of singing in tune. And it is interesting because this album, there is a lot of references to rockabilly and the early stages of rock and roll. I don't mind here. Uh, and I can't figure out why... It's working for me where usually it doesn't. And I think it's because that even though they nick some sounds and some riffs from Rockabilly, um, they aren't leaning heavily on the songwriting tropes of the early 50s rock and roll. The songwriting sounds very contemporary sounds very kind of post-punk uh and but they throw in the like the little the little bells and whistles are references to to rockabilly early rock and roll i don't mind that because it doesn't derail it um it, it still has some interesting ideas even though the contemporary reviews for this album really referenced the rockabilly i feel like i hear just as much late 60s early 70s rock in the vein of of donovan and tommy james and t-rex which which once again should annoy me but it doesn't here because because they really have their own flavor Makes me think of Camper Van Beethoven, which I love. And my very favorite album of theirs is Our Beloved Revolutionary Sweetheart, 
where they're looking back to a lot of the same influences like country and early rock and all of that, but they do it in this completely unique way, which, which when it works, it works. I mean, that's obviously an extremely subjective thing, but here, and actually I'm hearing some like Dylan in, in this subway sect album as well. It's all pretty interesting. I don't love it. I would like it probably a lot more if the vocalist wasn't as intonationally spastic as Vic (laughs) Godard is. I mean, it's hard to tell how much of it is choice and how much of it is just he doesn't have the control for it. But it's a it's a perplexing, intriguing, kind of infuriating album. Uh, where are you at, Rob? Well, you know, it's at the beginning. I said there were albums that I liked, albums that I liked a lot, and albums that I liked only a little bit. Well, this is one of those I only liked a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you mentioned that his v- vocals are spastic. I couldn't help feeling, or you also mentioned that he wasn't in control. I couldn't help feeling that one, either he's trying to sound like Iggy Pop or he's trying to sound like David Bowie or he's trying to sound like somebody else or he really doesn't know who he wants to sound like. So he's trying all of them in the middle of the song all at once. Um, (laughs) You know, so there is that. What, what I did like about this, this album and, and, even specifically the song was was the music itself mm-hmm. and and the song you know you said that and the well this and the lyrics the songwriting too yeah um i do feel like with a a different vocalist it would have been maybe a lot a lot cooler you know mm. um and you mentioned how they they kind of reference rockabilly, but they don't sound like they're trying to be rockabilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my pick watching The Devil was the song that I felt like his vocals were the most palatable and kind yeah. of the most integrated into the song. The song that you picked is kind of about in the middle as far as the the songs go and his voice being you know not too out of control the the first mm-hmm. two songs off this album i find inscrutable i i just like i wasn't sure <laughs> that i was going to be able to get through this album the the first time i listened to it <laughs> the end of the second song yeah. i was like oh god i hate this album and then it it got a lot better. Um, it is it is a bumpy ride for sure. <laughs> but yeah. I I had quite a few songs written down as as possibilities, and um, one of the songs I was happy to see was your your final pick. So what did you pick? I picked split up the money. Conspiracy to kill a man ends up on the kitchen floor And all the towns may let you in as you walk out the door 
One of the real strengths about this album is that this is this is a smart album. This is these are songs written and done by very vocal control, notwithstanding, very intelligent, capable people. Uh, and it feels like a lot of it, once again, not talking about the vocals, but a lot of the rest of this album sounds very deliberate. Um, so it's cool. I mean, he, they, the next album that they release is going to be interesting because while this was Rockabilly Retro, their next album is supposed to be like Big Band Swing Retro, which... Uh. Could be a lot of fun. Could it, it'll be an adventure for sure. So, uh, I enjoy. I enjoyed it. All right, just all right. Not going to make my list. Not one of those albums that blends in with the rest. I'm never going to confuse this album with any other album. So that's right. that's that's another positive thing of about it. So that is Vic Goddard's and the Subway Sect with their debut album, What's the Matter, Boy. Let's move on to Bad Manners with their debut album, Ska and B. So, Rob, we have quite a few of these albums um, I would describe as very likable, and, but uh-huh. and that is a term that I have used often over the course of these last four seasons this is the first time that so this album is very likable but this is the first time I'm actually going to say that this album is lovable (laughs) this is a very just like a, a very lovable cuddly kind of an album it's just like makes me very happy if if I had my choice of <laughs> so this is this album is not just like kind of in my mind kind of an ideal neighborhood barbecue album I would actually want them to play live at my neighborhood barbecue <laughs> I mean you you just <laughs> you, you get the sense that if you saw them live, you would dance and you would have no choice but to uh-huh, dance. Right. And then when the song is over, you want to just go go up and give them a big hug. <laughs> this is that kind yeah. of app. Yeah. Just a just a super I, fun, happy album for sure. I think I can I think I can relate to that. That 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 is very true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and I liked I like this. Excuse me, you're right. It's lovable. I actually <laughs> quite enjoyed this album. <laughs> yeah. That's not to say that I love this album, but this is this is a very lovable band. So let's listen to my pick, a song called Here Comes the Major. Yeah. 
Again, I really enjoy this album. I found it to be bouncy. Excuse me. I think it's hard, at least when it comes to ska, to not find it bouncy and, and enjoyable. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a huge ska fan, but but I I really like it. And and this is just very, very fun. Yeah, but you look at like the selector's first album. It's a whole different uh-huh. vibe, right? So it's a very different that, vibe. That yeah. is not not I wouldn't instantly think of it as kind of, um selector's first album as like delightful and fun. Oh, selector might be invited to your barbecue, but they won't be playing at it, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> they would be if they lived in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. True enough. But I, I think you're right. I think about, you're right about Sky and B. It's just, it is, it, the band is lovable. The The album is is kind of a joy to listen to. So What a lot of these songs reminded me of was some of the very earliest madness stuff at their, when they're at their like scottiest oh, yeah. and kind of bounciest yeah. and highest energy stuff. So One Step Beyond and... Uh, Night Boat to Cairo, those songs, this is like a whole album of that sort of energy, which I, I think it's great. Those those songs that I just cited were kind of the highlights for me off of Madness Madness's first album. This is like a whole album of that stuff. I like most of these songs. There are a few missteps. There is a children's song like Tuffy the Tugboat or something like that which just <laughs> right does yeah. not fit um it feels awkward and out of place to me this is a band that does a cover of Monster Mash <laughs> right <laughs> several covers off this album Wooly Bully not a song I particularly care for but I really did like their cover of uh the Magnificent Seven theme song uh-huh and also <laughs> yep they there's one song a, a cover song as well i can't remember the name of it which is a full-blown swing song and they do swing so well i have my fingers crossed that in subsequent albums they dip more into swing the 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 brass and woodwind section of this band is excellent uh, unfortunately the the swing cover that they do is not one of my favorite swing songs but they do it really well this is a super fun album yeah. they had a fairly big hit off of this album a song called special brew which hit number three in the uk and number four in Ireland. And they formed in 1976. So even though this is their first album and not a two tones release, um, they, wow. they had been around for, for a while. Uh, so my pick is a tune that's. Oh, let's, let's listen to it before you say the title. Well, let's just Go ahead and listen to it before okay. before I spill the beans. <laughs> okay. 
not familiar with that song can you guess what the title is because they repeat it over and over again um (laughs) and this is a decidedly on the surface a not a political band they they are just out there to have fun yeah yeah this song is called inner london violence but even though it's called that and they repeat it over and over again you can't there's, you can't hear what he's saying. <laughs> I, I don't know if this really is a sort of social political song or not, but it doesn't feel like one. What's your take on mm-hmm. it, Rob? That's that's exactly... I was going to set this song up as being, um, you know, confusing by the title, but <laughs> <laughs> it is... Yeah, who who knows? All I know is that uh, you know the song is fun to listen to. It's it's yeah. I mean, who knows what they're trying to say here? Like you said, they're not. They're decidedly not political. Um, I think they're set out. They set out to have fun, and it might be that in a world of social political, uh, social political songs about the man and about violence in the streets they maybe they felt like they had to do something but uh, (laughs) i don't know i don't know it's it's a fun song but the whole album is fun so Mm -hmm. so that is bad manners debut album called sky and b i am really looking forward i'll always be happy to see a new bad manners album come down the Pike, Rob. I, I mean, I think both of us had had heard of the band, but had, have you? Were you right. familiar with any of their music before this? No, you, you know. Um, sadly, I've heard the Monster Mash by them. Oh, um, <laughs> but, but, and I, to me, that song is just what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've heard it a million times by a million other bands. And so I never really gave it another look, but the rest of the the rest of the album is fantastic. I I'm not familiar with them other than that. So it was kind of nice. Let's go ahead and move on to to another album, uh something by New Music called From A to B. New Music was formed in 1977. They're a synth pop band from London and they had a top 20 single Living by Numbers, and two top 40 hits, The World of Water and Sanctuary. Now, there's <laughs> there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of fun music in this. There's a lot of interesting music in it. And, and it turns out it's an album that I quite, that I quite enjoyed. But let's go ahead and listen to my song first. This is a tune called Sad Films. I saw the names and the faces change. Like moving time 
And I just realized that this was a, a, a this was a song that was in a reissue for the CD. And I didn't realize that when I picked the song. Otherwise, I would have chosen something different. But um, I really like the sound of this this song. This is a... I don't know. There's something something about the the music and the, the vocals together that kind of have this... I don't know how to describe it other than it kind of echoes inside me. <laughs> but... But but anyway, I, I quite enjoyed it. Now, this album's been called one of the best and most influential electronic LPs of the 80s, which I kind of find surprising. I don't I don't honestly myself don't know a whole lot about new music. Joseph, what are your what are your thoughts here? I really like this album. I don't like it in the this is one of the best post-punk or new wave albums of 1980 sort of way. Yeah. So this band is new music with a K and it's important that you know that if you're on Spotify and you're looking for it, because you won't find it if you spell it with a C like music. So that's M U S I K. As you mentioned, the song that you pick sad films was not on the original release. It was included on the the re-release. By far my least favorite song on the album. I really like this album. We have in the past talked about a lot of albums where I felt that they were kind of ahead of their time. And usually when I say that, I'm talking, I'm thinking of like, Albums that will come out in the mid-80s or the late-80s or maybe the early-90s. This is so far ahead of its time. So when I Mm. listen to this, it reminds me of a lot of the music that I was listening to in the mid-aughts. And it feels way out of place listening to it uh, alongside all of these other albums released in 1980 uh, to the point where it bugs me. (laughs) This album makes me very, very happy. The band that it most reminds me of is The Postal Service. Are you familiar with The Postal Service? No, I know of them. I couldn't pick their music out, though. You would definitely recognize their most famous songs called Some Great Heights. When Tony and I had our conversation about OMD with Patrick from Australia... Patrick used a phrase that I am going to steal because I love it so much. A bit of a grower, meaning this is an album that takes a while to grow on you. And sometimes those end up being my all-time favorite albums. I keep coming back to this album and um, it really reminds me of The Postal Service or Metronomy or some of those bands in the mid to late aughts that I came to really love. 
Over the last two weeks, I've gone back to this album quite a few times just for my own enjoyment. Like, I already know what I'm going to say about it during during the, the this session, but I just feel like listening to it again. So I keep throwing songs onto my 70s and 80s playlist. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to end up regretting it when I actually go and listen to that playlist on Shuffle because they sound so out of place. I think I'm probably going to have to just move them over to my 2001 and on playlist because that really is where it fits. And it is excellent. So ahead of its time. Doesn't surprise me that it's um, influential to a lot of electronica bands. Hey, had you ever heard of this band? I, I don't think they really had much presence here in the United States at all. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that I... I, I don't think I have. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm almost certain I've not heard of them. Yeah. You know, the first time I listened to this album, I was unimpressed. I just kind of went, oh, all right, that's nice. Um, oh, nothing much there. But, man, I just keep coming back to it. I love it. One of the things that I read about them was that they they used outdated electronic instruments. Wow, um, but they used them in a way, but they used them in a way that made the sound kind of fresh and alive yeah. and 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 new. Yeah. So I I think that's kind of cool. There's got there's a certain kind of artistry when you're doing something like that. You know, to, to take to take electronic uh, you know, instruments that just aren't really being used anymore because we're at a period where everything's new and people are trying new things. There's a lot of experimentation. They're experimenting with things that people just aren't using anymore, mm-hmm. and it sounds mm-hmm. good that they're they're making it they're making it work. So, I just thought that was really cool. I don't love the the vocal style so much, but I mm, really right. like yeah. the sort of like laid back, low key, non assuming approach that he takes yeah you know i should note that we have actually already heard another song off of this album so the teaser song from last episode as we went out was off of this album a song called dead fish don't swim home which is probably their quirkiest song (laughs) <laughs> but the the song that I picked to feature this time around is the song that kind of feels the most like it would fit right in in the mid aughts with the um, you know songs by the Postal Service or Metronomy, and that is a song. Actually, you mentioned it earlier. It was one of their singles. A song called "The World of Water."
there is a lot going on in this song and maybe maybe that's it it I mean, there's so much happening here. Every time I hear this song, I hear something different, and I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, what exactly is is taking place, but I get distracted by by something else. Does that make sense? It's an aptly titled song. It is a a slippery, watery, so, sort of submerged yeah. <laughs> song. It's, um, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a grower. <laughs> It's it's definitely a grower. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. I, I I like that. It's not the the lyrics of the words of the song, the 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 vocals. It's in the music. Yeah. There's so much happening yeah. that I mean, and I enjoy it all. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it all. And and so I listen to this song over and over again. And it's almost like every time I hear it, I hear something new. I just think that's really cool. Hmm. That was new music and their album from A to B. It's not going to make my top 10 list. I could just tell you right now. Um, and maybe once it grows on Joseph a little bit more. But at this point, what do you think? I am not considering it for my top 10 list. In fact, I feel like this album is sort of disqualified from my top 10 oh. list. It is, it is okay. too far ahead of its time. It, it's, gotcha. It is technically new wave, but it doesn't. It's a great album. If I ever make uh, favorite albums of the aughts, I might consider yeah. this album. <laughs> I started to say, how about we put it on your top 10 list for 2002? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody should go and listen to this album just to experience it. As I've said before, it's a bit of a grower. So for me, I, I had to listen to it. I think by the third time, I was starting to get pulled in. We've got one more album to discuss. The last album, Relevant, that was released in April of 1980. It's a monster. It is the debut album from... X, that is the American X, with their Los Angeles. This is iconic band, an iconic album. Rolling Stone says it's the ninth greatest punk album of all time, and the 286 greatest album overall. Rolling Stone also thinks it's the 24th best of the 80s album. Pitchfork calls it the 91st best of the 80s. <laughs> Slant Magazine says it's the 98th best of the 80s. It was produced by Ray Manzarek of The Doors, who played on Four songs, the two songs we're featuring tonight actually are songs that we will hear his his keyboards on in one form or another. An iconic album before we ramble on about how iconic it is, let's go ahead and listen to the first cut of the night. My pick is a song called Nausea. Lunch, 
If you grew up in California in the 80s and had even a vague interest in punk and post-punk, you had no choice but to be aware of and to like this band. It was it was just a credibility issue. If if you didn't like <laughs> X, then you got your punk card taken away. That's yeah. that's exactly right. I love this album. This is um has a very very strong chance of making my top 10 best of the year list. It's a little odd that on this album at this point they're considered cowpunk because I don't really hear it. Um, it's a little bit more obvious in um, s- some future releases, but this is like L.A., not hardcore punk, but L.A. punk. Yeah. They were setting the scene down there. I missed out because I wasn't in love with this album when I, when I was a teen. It's so good. It's so good. Their their vo- uh, John Doe and Exene um, are the two lead vocalists. They pretty much split 50-50 the vocals. Work together so well. There's nothing that I don't like about this album. So, Rob, this is this is going to be a love fest for for X in Los Angeles, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you you mentioned that you couldn't you know you couldn't love punk and not have you know, not have heard this, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's absolutely true. I want to say not with nausea. Um, you know, it's it's a hard sound. It's a good punk sound, yeah. and then you have these organ organs playing. I mean, <laughs> I I kind of I kind of had fun with that. I- I really like that. I have a, lot. a hard time listening to that song and not physically bobbing my head, like like some yeah, absolutely, some like, you know, absolutely headbanger, you know, like sticking my <laughs> my hand up in the air with the doing the little sign yeah. of the devil thing, and <laughs> it's it is a it is a fantastic album, a fantastic song, yeah. uh, and and an iconic band. It's hard to say what my favorite song on this album is because I love them all so much. I enjoy every one of them. Um, so I kind of just threw my dart at a dartboard and said, okay, let's go ahead and play Sex and Dying in High Society. You started out the way You knew everything to stay They keep your money, boys Made of silver and gold They keep your pinky knees Dark cigarettes And your life that looks just like the sun So you married your daddy I like to love every song off of this album, um, but so, but some of them I really really love. This is probably my least favorite song, which I still really like. But it is um, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a little to me. It kind of gets lost in among the rest of the songs, but but it's still it's still good. I mean. 
it's a testament to, to how great this album is. So that is X's debut album, Los Angeles. It is a strong contender for, for my top 10. I can't say for certain that it will be there. It is, it is vying for the bottom five, but it's hard to imagine that, that this doesn't make my list. Are you, are you kind of at the same place? Yeah. I am in the same place. Um, in, in fact, it, it's likely to be in the bottom five of my list. There have also, the last couple of seasons, there have been uh, albums that I thought were for sure going to be in the bottom five of my list, and they didn't make it. But I think this is definitely going to be one that's, that's going to fight for a spot. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a wrap. Woo! 15 albums. We did it. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Rob, you want to remind us of the 15 albums that we've covered in these last two episodes? Absolutely. We've got The Feelies with Crazy Rhythms, The Cure's 17 Seconds, UK Subs' Brand New Age, The Passions with Michael and Miranda, Angelic Upstarts with We Gotta Get Out of This Place, Crocodiles with Tears, Chrome's album Red Exposure, Monochrome Set's Strange Boutique, Sham 69's The Game, The Undertones Hypnotized, Grippo Sportivo's Copy Copy, Vic Goddard and Subway Sex, What's the Matter Boy? Bad Manners with Ska and B, New Music with From A to B, and X's Los Angeles. Drum roll, Rob. Which of these albums, so many good ones, which one takes your Blue Ribbon best of show? I'll be 100% honest. It was between two, and it was tough. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to have to go with... The runner-up being X for Los Angeles with Los Angeles, and the one that gets the blue ribbon is the Cure, mm. seventeen seconds. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is a toss-up for me too, and I really want to pick X. I really want everybody to think that I am that hip and cool. <laughs> um, however, <laughs> the monochrome set because it just puts me in a happy place. So, it, it's a complete. Nice discovery for me it is such a fun goofy little album um that it is it truly is my favorite album of april so rob our next episode is a deep dive episode we well you haven't done a deep dive episode in quite a while yeah, so I've, I've, i missed it <laughs> So what is our deep dive episode for this month going to be on? Our deep dive is going to be on X, one of your favorites and mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, I didn't, didn't want to give any spoilers, but that was part of the reason why we kept the conversation short about Los Angeles, because yep. we, are, <laughs> we, we will be living, breathing, eating, thinking, sleeping X for the next couple of weeks. A bit of a schedule change, a permanent schedule change. So this is, and I will 
remind everybody a couple of times on this, but up until now, our regular routine has been we release episodes on the first and third Sunday of the month. Well, nowadays, we're doing the first, the second, and the third because we have double episodes. And it seems like recently, every time we do a deep dive episode, we go, oh, it might be a week late because of lining our guests up and all of that. I think we should just now make it official. Uh, our regular schedule is going to be the rundown episodes are released on the first and second Sundays of the month, and then the deep dive episode is going to be released on the last Sunday of the month. So look forward to that X episode two weeks from now. We've talked about a lot of music tonight, and regardless of what our personal taste may be, the very fact that we're discussing it 40-plus years later places its creators in the highest echelons of hard-working musicians. Their art has made the world a better place. Preach it, brother. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that is that. I think it's time to go to say, say our farewells, Rob. So once again, our... Deep Dive on X will be released in two weeks. After that, um, all next month, we are taking a break, but we will release a number of episodes because that is the month where we celebrate our 100th episode. And then, of course... All right. Yeah, yeah, so that's something to look forward to. After that, we'll jump back into May. So... We are actually going to, on the fade out, after the fade out, we will um, list all of the albums that we will be covering for May of 1980. So stick around for that. And we are going to go out on a song from one of the more obscure albums that we'll be covering for May of 1980. Can't believe we're heading towards our 100th episode. <laughs> We're almost there. No, it's it's always a blast. So we'll see ya. This is a song about the world. What's that you said? All the Russian spies under your bed. I've told you before, but you you never listen to what I said. Coming up, the albums that we'll be covering for May are Devo with Freedom of Choice, Dalek I Love You's Compass Compass, English Beats I Just Can't Stop It, Human League's Travelogue, Forgotten Rebels in Love with the System, Scoffish's Scoffish, Magazine's album The Correct Use of Soap, the Chords with So Far Away. The Yachts with an album called Without Radar. Peter Gabriel's third release, known as Peter Gabriel or Melt. 
Roxy Music with Flesh and Blood, Suicide with Suicide, Alan Vega and Martin Rev, Fisher Z with Going Deaf for a Living, Grace Jones with Warm Leatherette, and My Sex with Space Race. Oh, girl, 